everyone welcome to the 350th edition of the holy backboard podcast i am dustin here in rip city and i got my man sage chilling in beaverton oregon and man a lot of stuff has happened in the last uh i guess week since we uh podcasted we had to take a little bit of a break because we were broadcasting so much that we didn't have any more room to say anything else that month of june was just wasn't it Jay-Z that said shit was all good just a week ago? Uh, a lot, lot of has changed. And it's not necessarily uh, bad. Bad change. Change can be good. Change is inevitable. Change is necessary um, in life. And just a, just a quick heads up for our listeners out there. This isn't a in memoriam episode. This isn't a give our favorite dame moments episode this isn't a rage we're angry we're pissed uh so if you're kind of in that emotional state which is totally fine um everyone has the right to feel how they want to feel uh this may not be the episode for you you know we're, we're gonna look look ahead look forward what does this mean for the franchise you know both of us are pretty uh jazzed to to see um the young blazers kind of get their chance to to show what they've got so uh, if you're not ready for for that discussion totally understandable and we hope to uh we hope to hear you we hope that you will hear us again later on in the summer or as the the season gets a little bit closer but i did want to get that out there i want to be respectful of of all emotions from all fans it is an emotional day um i just kind of want to set set the stage sage like I, I I tweeted this out, but like I felt it in my bones. Like I was like, something's up. Like the, something was on like the the Dustin radar. Like I, I was getting like pinged. And it's like they have this meet. First of all, they had the meeting on Monday. I was like, oh, that that's not good because Dame had already said like, I don't get the help I want. Like we're gonna have to have a conversation. Well, they had the conversation, and dude, it took until like seven p.m. that night for Joe Cronin just to say just a generic statement. We're gonna we're gonna build around Damian Lillard. It's like okay, that, that that tells us nothing. And then you see free agency kick off, and what really there were two things that kind of like perked my my little radar. First one is I, I don't know where I read it. Um, I think someone was reporting like Adrian Wojnarowski said that even if the Blazers re-sign Jeremy Grant, that doesn't indicate that they're that Damian Lillard's like it doesn't indicate that he's staying or going. I was like, that's interesting. Right. Because we all had thought like, oh, Jeremy's on board. Must be Dame's on board. Um, Exactly. Um, And the second one was they had a contract guarantee date on June 30th for Trenton Watford, um, which would lock in his deal, I believe, for one point eight million dollars. And they declined that essentially waiving Watford. And I was like, you know, why would you do that unless you're trying to open up additional roster spots? And why would you open up additional roster spots unless you're anticipating a trade where you're having to take back multiple players because the player you're trading makes 40 to 45 million dollars in salary? So I was not surprised um, when I woke up this morning and got those notifications. There's also if you're online and you're on Twitter if if you can actually get on Twitter, I mean it's it's an absolute disaster right now. But there is an account out there dropping dimes, whether it's dropping dimes twenty, dropping dimes twenty seven, 
has some serious inside information that looks incredibly sketch at first, but they're calling a lot of things. And last night, that account was saying, like, it's it's going to happen. Like, teams are really going after Dame hard. And that's when I was like, okay, I, I think we are, you know, we, we saw the free agents. Draymond goes off the board immediately. Like, that was the report. Dame wanted Jeremy Grant and, and Draymond Green. We knew Draymond Green had zero chance of happening just because of Portland's cap situation and what it would take. Not taking the MLEs, not taking the veteran minimum, that the Warriors aren't going to facilitate a sign and trade. There's bad blood between the, the two front offices. Um, it, it just was never going to happen. But to see Draymond go off the board that quick, it's like, okay. And then you just waited for Portland to, to make any moves. And nothing really substantial happened. They declined Kevin Knox's option. Um, they picked up the qualifying offer on, I believe, uh, Baji and uh, Butler, Butler Jr., um, they rescinded Cam Reddish's uh, qualifying offer, who went to sign with the Los Angeles Lakers, and they extended the qualifying offer for Matisse Thibel, and he's still a restricted free agent at the time of this recording, which is about 10.30 on uh, Saturday night, July 1st, 2023. So you just really didn't get the, the thought that Portland was really in the mix for any of these players. You heard maybe Max Struess, but then he went off the board right quick in a sign and trade to Cleveland. He got paid. I mean, you just you just kept seeing these players like, okay, Portland's obviously it's a weak free agency class, and free agents aren't necessarily known for coming to the Rose City in droves. But it was just really quiet. And you're kind of thinking, okay, like how how are they going to get better? Are they still looking to trade? You know, you're just you're just not really, you know, from all the sources, you're just not seeing what's going to happen. And then boom, news drops, Dame requests a trade. It has been reported by multiple outlets that the Heat are the preferred destination, but uh, Woj again has said the Clippers and the Sixers also have interest along with the Brooklyn Nets. Bobby Marks has time and time again said the, the San Antonio Spurs with all that cap space and multiple picks from the Atlanta Hawks trade with DeJounte Murray last offseason are a quote-unquote wild card. And, you know, they have Victor Wimbanyama. I mean, that that would be a pretty sweet uh, ushering in the new yeah, the, with Greg Popovich, um, and so you just you you just never know. Obviously, Brooklyn would still like to be involved, but we don't know if they would feel like they're a contender or not. So it's just uh, we wanted to get on here and discuss like where do the Blazers go from now? Um, I just watched a a, a um, update from Woj. Basically, said the Blazers aren't aren't um, just going to cave into the Miami Heat. Like that, they, they are looking far and wide, casting a quote-unquote wide net, and that it could be a lengthy process uh, right now. And again, that that dropping Dimes Twitter account basically just said like 15 minutes ago, the Blazers aren't budging, which, good. Like, we just we discussed this, I think, three or four episodes ago, Sage. This is Joe Cronin's moment. He's waited to be the GM since like, what, 06 or 07, not only does he he is now the GM that is going to trade Damian Lillard, but I just I can't imagine that he's waited to be in this position for over a decade just to say, yeah, we're just going to give you to the Heat for Hero Duncan Robinson in it at first. Like that 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 doesn't that that doesn't seem to me what what Joe is about. And I think if you just kind of look at the. I know people are upset about the, the the verbiage that Cronin has maybe used or felt like they've been led on. But if you look at the actions that we've kind of de- detailed over the course of this past season, 
their actions are doing one thing where the words are saying something else. Their actions said, we we need to kind of reset this. You saw it at the trade deadline. You saw it at the NBA draft and you're seeing it in free agency and you're, you're seeing it right now. And one constant in this has really been Woj. Like he has been dialed in on what the Blazers wanted to do um, with that third pick, especially like they value this pick. This dude is transcendent. What did they, they, they took scoot, right? They, he's clearly dialed in. So I, I would caution people following too many different sources. Like it seems like Woj, you know, he did have a great relationship with Neil Olshay. Seems like he does now with Joe Cronin. So it is good to hear that they aren't budging and they are going to try to get the best deal possible. You gotta, you gotta treat it with a humongous grain of salt too, with all of the information out there. So if Woj seemingly has the best information and the best contacts uh, contacts you might want to just have Woj and then the other bunch of basketball twitter people that announce trades and uh free agency you might want to just chill on that because they're i mean damian lillard is the main click getter in this free agency and you've seen it with how espn has fired a lot of the like actual content people and you know hired uh that that punter from the cult i forgot his name but like pat mcafee like they're going for clicks that's their strategy so if espn's doing it everybody's gonna try and do it for clicks so i mean i, I saw bobby marks do some awful trade tr- uh, damian lillard brooklyn miami trades like people are trying to get their clicks in and uh if, if Woj is the one who looks like he is the most dialed in you might want to just stick to Woj and go everywhere, uh, ignore everywhere else for, you know, the Damian Lillard saga. So let's start things first. Sage, uh, when it was announced that Portland had re-signed Jeremy Grant five for 160, I was like, what What in the blue hell are we doing here, right? Like you're paying $32 million a year for a power forward who does not rebound in his game really fell off of a cliff once the calendar flipped from 2022 to 2023. And he needs the ball. Think about how many ball handlers are on this team right now. Like, including Dame for right this second. Dame, Shaden, Scoot, Anthony Simons. Jeremy is fifth on this list. Yusuf. And I feel like Jeremy's going to, is higher on the current total. Yes, but you're talking about ball handlers. Yeah, like for sure. But now that, but with the new CBA coming into effect, teams have to be at 90% of the salary floor at the start of the regular season. And if you're moving Dame, you're probably trying to get back. Like you're looking for a combination of draft capital, uh, young talent and, and short contracts. So if you get that third, if you get a bunch of short contracts back and they're off of your books after this, this season, you need that $32 million from Jeremy Grant to get you close to that salary floor. So I think his contract makes a lot of sense right now. I've heard a lot of people online uh, upset. Maybe they think Dame misled the organization and that they he just got his friend the bag. And even if that's the case, it, it still helps the Blazers uh, get close to that salary floor. You get a an adult in the locker room. He's going to be a professional. He is going to come to work. and. I, I I don't know how tradable that contract is going to be. We saw Joe get off of a five-year deal from Norman Powell. 
year one, uh, the return wasn't great, but he got off of that deal without taking any long-term salary back. If Jeremy Grant performs like he did the first part, the first two months of the season, I remember distinctly saying he's worth two first round picks the way he was playing. He can get back to that level. Um, but worst case scenario, you, you have a 20 point per game scorer who's going to make your team, you know, respectable and kind of show you the ropes. If you're uh, a Shaden or, or a scoot trying to, to learn that the ins and outs, uh, of yeah, absolutely. He's good for Chris. So, you know, I'm not the biggest Jeremy Grant fan, but in this vacuum, in this new world, we're looking at, it's not the worst thing in the world, um, that we have him, uh, lined up. Very valuable on the court. You're going to get, you know, a high, a high usage volume scorer at the three, four position who can play some defense. So that's good for Keegan, like uh, Chris, excuse me, Chris. So it's like, all right, that's good there. I feel like we need another adult, but I think Jeremy Grant is a starting level vet for these young dudes to, you know, get all the information from. He didn't get, he wasn't a NBA player very easily. He had to work his ass off in Philly and get that shot. He was an awful shooter. He was an awful dribbler when he first started in the league. He was a gadget guy and he turned himself into a, you know, high usage scorer. So I think he's going to be good for all of these young guys to talk, to talk with and get that mentorship from if he's willing to get to be that mentor on this team. But yeah, they definitely need more adults on the roster. Um, I saw someone throw out Earl Watson type and absolutely Earl was there the last year I covered the team uh, basically was a head coach in waiting. Terry Stotts treated him like that, gave him certain responsibilities. I believe the following year, the year after he actually became the head coach of the Phoenix Suns, like you need to find those Udonis Haslam, Ed Davis, like players who are just Jeff Green would have been great. Uh, unfortunately, Houston scooped him up. Jamichael, uh, I, I think both of the, I, I feel like one of those greens would have been good. I think Jamichael could be a, a really good vet since he's not as spry as he once was. Yeah, you just need players who are going to help keep it professional, especially mm-hmm. when you have a, such a young group. They're going to make mistakes. Uh, you just need someone to hold them accountable. Like, that's what you're getting paid for. Like, you have to keep these guys on track, teach remember them. What, remember how Eric Gordon looked last year with Houston? He was just fed the fuck up. He was not... He was. He was not ready for that role. He didn't want that role. He and was, maybe the players weren't mature enough. That's why you, you need have, more you than one dude. Young stars, like it, it only like the the reason it has worked in the past with the Blazers with with Brandon and Damian is because they were mature. That they, they were they, they knew the moment. They knew the gravity of the moment, and they embraced it. So far, from what I've heard from from Scoot, is he's ready to embrace it. Like he's like. I mean, he already was asked that question. And you're the face of the franchise. He's like, let's go. Like, I, I embrace the city. I embrace the fans. I embrace the haters. Like, I'm like the Ignite taught me what I need to do. Um, does, does Scoot need a mentor that's a playmaker? Or does it even matter with Scoot? I think it does. Like... It's weird, like, right, if, like, Robin Lopez is brought in to be his mentor, right? Like, what's, what's Robin Lopez yeah, what's right? about, like, yeah. handling a, a trap at the the half-court line? Like, I, I think it definitely matters that you need someone that's relatable. Like, hey, I've been in the situation before. Like, I think you do need position. This is where positions actually do make sense to me. I'm trying to think of point guards that are vets. Is there any, like, legitimate? I mean, like, John Wall's still out there. 
their bodies are so similar. I think that would that would work. I mean, John Wall just wants a chance to hoop right at this point, right? Yeah, like <laughs> when I was thinking, I was like, like Luke Rittenhauer, but not a 50-year-old oh, man. Yeah, Luke Rittenhauer is <laughs> older than I am. Yeah. But like, dude, that at one point, the George Hill, a George Hill type dude. I think he, yeah, he has to be. Play- yeah, he played last year. So like a George Hill type dude. He was competent and, you know, played for the Spurs Pacers, was a pretty damn good player. Just somebody to help him, like, with... This is a brand new job for him that he's worked his entire life for. Having someone to be that mentor. Yeah. Like, it's different. It is different. Brandon and Dame are both 22. I I didn't know about you, Sage, but I was a much different, more prepared person at 22 than I was at 19. But yeah, I I could definitely see, like, you know, a guy like George Hill would be very, very impactful. And right now with this team, you know, thinking that Dame's gone, we we have the playmakers to just... George Hill can just chill on the bench and hang out. He doesn't need to play, like, more than blowout run or if he, if he so chooses to play. Yeah, I guess... I, I think that, yeah, for this specialized position with how much we're going to depend on him to set the offense up, to set up Jeremy Grant, Shaden Sharp, Nasir Little, Chris Murray. We kind of we kind of need a guy that can just be that mentor. Before we get into the fan questions, I want your your thoughts. What what are you prioritizing? Like give me your top 3 priorities. You you're you're the GM. You're trading Damian Lillard. You know, priorities could be, I, I want to get off Nurk's contract. I want expiring money off the books. I want as much draft capital as possible. I want a young a young star. Like, prioritize those. Give me your top three out of those. I feel what? like draft capital, flexibility have to be one and two. I don't know what the which one is more important, but I want to have flexibility for the future. If we're trying to make a push, I would like to have all of the draft capital available to make said push. We've been so depleted resource depleted. So it's just like, just to have a different way of handling business, having draft picks and capital is so easy. It makes life so much easier. Like Oklahoma city can overpay for a player with draft picks. If they want to trade for a certain player, they can overpay and it won't hurt them. If we can't afford that, after all of the stuff that happened, we can't afford it. So I think flexibility and draft capital have to be one and two. And I I kind of have to think about fit. Like I I would prefer not to have a another guard on this team. If we can get like a good wing player, that'd be sweet. But I really uh want the flexibility and and cap draft capital. Yeah, I think draft capital is number one. Um, you see how easy it is for teams like Oklahoma City to maneuver. And they're they're almost like at that one piece away mark. And when you have the amount of picks at their disposal, you can just fucking overrun whatever. You can just go straight to the top of every team's, you know, trade partner destination. Like we want to deal with them. They've got what we want. Um, and in the new CBA, picks are king. Like the, just the value that they provide for, for franchises is unprecedented. Um in league history second i i'm with i'm with you i think you need uh flexibility like i don't think you need to get a veteran 
um, back. I don't think you need to quote unquote win now. I think you do need to be respect respectable. I, I would be awesome if we could win like 30 games. Um, this draft class, from what I've heard and, you know, just from the folks that, that do this thing, it's not supposed to be like the past two. It's a little bit weaker. That could change. We could see players rise. We could see players fall, but there is no scoot. There is no Wembenyama. There is no Paolo. Like there's just none, none of those guys are, are, are it in, at, at the moment. So I don't think it would be the worst thing in the world if they were playing competitive basketball in April. Like we, we got to start getting uh, Shaden and scoot their feet wet. We got to start building that winning culture back again. I do think as beneficial as it has been the past two years tanking, clearly too many people have asked, yeah. what is that got in Portland? Well, it's got you the cornerstones of your franchise for the next decade and Shaden Sharp and Scoot Henderson. But I do think you do it too often, too frequent. It becomes a part of your uh, brand identity. People, uh, mm. you know, the process Sixers. Exactly. Oklahoma like, City. Yeah, we're going to put you in that tanking category. That's what they're going to, you know, that's the symbolic to Portland. We're just going to put you in, in the tanking. That's what you're going to mean to us when you look at the heat. It's like, oh, heat culture. You look at the Spurs. Oh, they're just, you know, consistent uh, Lakers. They're just known for winning championships, right? That's what they're um, connected to. We, we would start to get connected to the Kings, the Wolves, right? You, you don't want to go down that path. Um, I mean, if we're actively trying and losing, I have no okay. problem. Yeah, I have no and problem. you're showing progress. Like, you don't yeah. want your young players to, to suck either. So it's, it's it's a fine line. But it's it's something I laid out. Like, I was thinking because I moved to Port. I was getting ready to move to Portland right when the Blazers drafted Greg Oden. But the year before, you know, this is really the first time I can remember the Blazers doing a really complete rehaul, was when they drafted B. Roy and LaMarcus in 06. That 06 07 squad won, I think, 30 to 32 games. They had like Zebo, um, Prisbilla, and then they hit the lottery. And even without Greg Oden playing a single second in the in 2007, they still managed to win 41 games. They were damn near playoff bound. That's back when you had to win 50 games just to get into the Western Conference playoff race. So you're 41 and 41. And then you draft Batum late in round one the following year. You bring over Rudy Fernandez and you win 54 games. Just three years into your rebuild, you're winning 54 games. You're the fourth seed in the Western Conference. The only thing stopping that team was was injuries. And so everyone who is kind of freaking out about Dame moving on, requesting a trade, thinking the Blazers are just going to be in the bottom of the barrel like the Wolves and the Kings have been for, for so long. I just wanted to kind of put a halt to that because... I don't think that's the case. You have players who I think as prospects are much higher than Brandon and LaMarcus were as prospects. The 06 draft wasn't considered strong by any means either. Andrea Bargnani went yeah. number one. And it was even a toss up. Like, who, who were they going to take? Um, it can happen. They've got the pieces. I so, don't. Do you expect them to be good ne- this year? I, I, I think, think they're they like 30 like in the 30 West. Games. What's up? I think they'll win like 30 games. I think they'll, if that was the betting line, I would bet the under. But I think that it was going to be an exciting brand of basketball where we lose. And that's fine. Everyone thought the Blazers were going to suck in 2016 when six of the top seven scores left. I was like, I think they're going to be good. You don't don't want to watch LaMarcus shoot contested fadeaways. They're young, they're scrappy, they're hungry. That team played with an edge like I've never seen a Blazer team play. Yeah, before. but Terry Stotts versus Chauncey Billups. I 100%, <laughs> I 100% agree with you there. 
<laughs> but I don't think Scoot Henderson's going to come in the league and just be like, oh, we're going to suck, so let's suck. No, he's going to come out gunning. Like, and he's going to come out with a chip on his shoulder as well, too. He thinks he should have been the number one pick in the draft. You got Shaden, who is hopefully going to be unleashed. So I think they're going to be respectable. Uh, and, um, you know, I think that's how you start start to build. But if we got the eighth pick, I feel like that's that's a very successful first year of a rebuild. Like if mid lottery, I don't even think you need like a top three pick. This draft, no, 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 no. But I'm I'm trying to think of like I don't think we're going to be dog shit, but I don't think we're going to be sniffing the play in. Is where I where I'm at. I mean, the the beautiful thing about year one of rebuild when you have exciting players like Scoot and Shaden. Any 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 outcomes, honestly, unless you're not setting records for longest losing streaks or fewest victories in the season, it's if you're playing at like I said, the goal is to have fun, entertaining basketball. That's that's what you're tuning into. And if they win, cool. If they lose, you're not winning the championship. Um, I think the key will be how they build upon from this season. And I think a lot of those come from a Lillard trade. That's why my second priority would be those expiring deals. Like, and it's not necessarily that I think Portland's going to go out and sign a max free agent, but you see these teams who have cap space. Well, what, what do they do? I'm not the biggest fan of this player, but the, the Utah Jazz basically just absorbed John Collins for nothing. The Oklahoma City Thunder keep adding. Uh, they, they were able to move up in the draft just by taking Bertans' contract. And uh, the, the, the Kings have been able to... Um, do similar moves and it's just like you you need to be able to do that like when portland actually had cap space they absorbed anderson verigel's contract and they got that additional pick in 2017 so you're able to do things with so much more flexibility and you can that's when you can really take advantage of a team like oh shit like you get a gm calling you my owner needs me to get off of the second apron i gotta dodge the tax like now you have them in a position of power where you can say well, okay, it's going to cost you X, Y, Z. Like, I'll help you, but it's going to cost you. Um, so that's why expirings would be number two. I don't, with the teams mentioned, only one player kind of wets my whistle, and that would be Jeremy Sohan. And one, I don't know if he's going to be traded to the Spurs. I don't think he's going to, I don't think he's the guy that's gone. And I I, I think San Antonio would hold out. Um, I would I would significantly ask that, but like Tyrese Maxey's another guard. Uh, Tyler Hero is another guard. Like I, I just you need that small forward or center, and not a lot of the teams mentioned really have them, so it's lower on my list. Um, I mean, you know me and Devin Vassell, I'd be very hyped. But I, I, I you, you're, I mean, the John Collins thing that you said, like if Utah got him for literally nothing, and then he blossoms in Utah, you can trade him. For another asset, let's say Cleveland is so impressed with John Collins's improvement, and they they're worried about the Evan Mobley Jared Allen issue. What if Utah gets John Collins or nothing, then trades John Collins to to Cleveland to get Jared Allen? Like that type of flexibility is real. So to have that but, with experience, they wouldn't want Jared Allen with Walker Kessler. But I get your point a guard that's having the same issues where, you know, let's say Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell don't work. You can trade uh, uh, John Collins for Garland. Like just having that flexibility gives you, gives you options. And then you can take risks on guys like John Collins and, you know, whoever. 
so because I don't think there are young players to be had, I, that's probably my fourth priority. My third priority would be getting off of Nurkic's contract. You got three years left on that. I don't know. I mean, he hasn't seemed super motivated. He wasn't motivated to play for Terry Stotts towards the end of his tenure. He showed promise under Chauncey and kind of soured with his role there. Um, I think Chauncey did a pretty good job of making that a, a uh, I, really the, the, big The issue. fact of the matter is Billups is still the head coach, yeah. and you've got three years left on Nurkic's contract. You need to shed that salary as well. Um, so I, I think you have to say, no, like Dame comes with Nurk. Nurk comes with Dame. Nurk like that, comes with Dame, yeah. Nurk comes with Dame. Like that you're, getting a, you're getting a top 75 player of all time. Exactly. I, I don't this. think Portland should make any concessions. Like mm-hmm. Some teams like, no, we're going to take a first-round pick off the table. Joe Cronin can tell you to pound sand. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, then you don't get the best pros- the get best player that you can on the market. To. Yeah, He is the best player on the market. He is available. He is under contract for quite some time, and he's not going to – he's going to be a professional about it. Like this isn't a Bradley Bill situation. There is a no, there's not a no trade clause. This isn't a situation where you feel like you get the player and he's going to hold out. He's he's not going to do that. Dame has already taken a massive risk to his reputation by asking out. He will not, he will not damage his reputation anymore. Is attainable is Devin Vassell and he's a three. So like there's there, the, the fives and threes really aren't there. So I think once the Dame trade happens, you have to have a an idea for a, a minutes eating big trade next, or you get that minutes eating big in the trade. Like I, 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 I had some time, so I tweeted uh, players that I would like to see. Like if we got Daniel Gafford out of this, someone who's going to play twenty six minutes, he'll win us some games and play with effort. That's fine. We don't need a Carl Anthony Towns right now that's going to take the ball out of Scoot and Shaden's hands. We need a guy who eats minutes and then doesn't finish games. That's a great segue into our fan questions. We will answer these, then sign off for the night. And clearly, we will be back as soon as we have any additional. The second Dame gets traded. <laughs> the, the second we have some information. Otherwise, you'll hear us from us from our summer league preview. Um, which starts Friday, by the way. Jesus Christ, um, first man. question from Blazers Down Under. Um, what are some potential moves to fill out the roster? We are very, very small. Um, Daniel Gafford, baby. Yeah, I mean, Mason Plumley is still available on the, the free agent market. Um, I think a lot of it depends, again, on what are you getting back from, from your Lillard trade? Are you trading him to Brooklyn? Are you getting Nick Claxton back on the deal? Miami has no bigs. Philly has no bigs. I think it's going to have to be probably from the free agent market, honestly, um, just because of all of the the players involved in any of these teams. Like, I maybe the Clippers trade. I would take Zubox. I would take Zubox in a second. That's fine, but the Clippers don't really have anything else, um, so and they don't have any. Tough. And we don't have anything they potentially want either. Like, so you just five have second to, round picks. Is that good yeah. enough for you? <laughs> you just have to. Uh, I, I think we're probably going to bargain bin. I mean that's that's that that I think that's what they're going to do. I mean they losing Watford is tough because I mean and you lost Drew Eubanks in free agency, so you, you really just have Yusuf Nurkic and Jeremy Grant. I mean I don't think Baji or, or Butler Jr. are ready for any significant minutes. Um, I don't think you can go. Chris Murray is is a three four. Um, they definitely need. I think they will definitely sign a, a free agent on a small contract. Um, but again, I think everyone's waiting for Dame. Like if you're Mason Plumley. 
you're probably going to wait for a, a contender that to see if, if you want to play. Like he's been in the league for almost 10 years now. I don't know if he wants to come back to Portland with, without Dame there, unless this is the only option he has. So, um, and in, Houston we, and Phoenix took all of the young bigs that I would want. Yeah. Like, uh, so there's, you, you probably have to maybe see if somebody wants to do like a Nasir Little or a Keon Johnson swap for your second or third string big. Like, mm. if, if if you do trade Nurk and you don't sign a free agent uh, center, or like fuck. like I think Mason Plumley is the goal. If you can't get Mason Plumley, that's where it could get rough. Um, but I agree that they need to find some big size, some some big depth. I don't think you can play super small. Um, which goes into our our, our other question from Miguel um, Zero Medina Twelve on Twitter says, "Do you think Scoot, Ant, and Sharp can start?" Maybe with all three being athletic, it can help them defensively. At least start Ant to build his value this year and trade him next offseason for a permanent small forward. Um, I wouldn't start the three. Um, I actually love the idea of keep, keeping Anthony Simons on the roster now um, just to be that that microwave off of the bench. Just go out there and you're just scoring. We don't need you to play make. We don't need you to. You just scored. We, you, we got Scoot and Shaden. They're, they're, they're going to be the backcourt. You come off the bench, give us 20, Lou will it up. Like six man of the year, get buckets for us. But I will say, I think there are instances where those three could be part of a finishing, finishing five. Finishing five, exactly. And it all depends on your opponent. It depends on, is Ant on a heater that night? Um, can you hide Ant on defense? Um, and a lot of this goes back to Anthony. Can he become just a serviceable defender? Mm-hmm. Um, Nasir Little and Keon it's enough money to get Daniel Gafford. So it's enough to get like a $12 million player. So, I mean, obviously we will probably have space to just absorb it, but you know, a Nasir and Keon can get you a very serviceable center. And I think that might be the, a thing. Would I, you start? Would you start Ant? I don't know these three people personally. Um, I think that there's going to be times where, they absolutely will finish games. I don't know if it really matters who starts. I mean, it will matter. I I don't think Chauncey Billups is going to not start Anthony. I think that Scoot might come off the bench until he just absolutely knocks the 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 barn doors away. Starting day one, just like Dame. Dame got the keys to the castle day one. They they did not draft this guy. They did not essentially. I don't know if they picked Scoot over Dame, but I don't think they said you're worth this much to us. Like we could go out and maybe get somewhat of a of a chance to keep Dame. They said, nah, Scoot is transcendent. I, I just don't think you pick a guy number three overall and not let him run the show. That that's just that's that's my so no is Shaden Sharp coming off the bench? Because I seriously no. doubt I, I, I don't think, think Chauncey Billups is gonna not start Anthony. I think that's gonna be a conversation with Joe. I think Joe might be pulling more of the strings than than we think. And um, I, I keep hearing that Shaden can only play the two, but he played 30% of his minutes at the three. He can play the three, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, he can play the three. I think the majority of his minutes are going to be at the two, but if we're running the three-guard small line, if we're playing Utah, like, I, Colin Sexton can try an iso ball against Anthony Simons all he wants. All like, day. that's fine. Like, <laughs> there's there's certain teams where those three are going to play. I I don't know, man. I I... Trying to project what Chauncey Billups does in an NBA setting is an is like a infuriating process. But 
if I a hundred percent agree with you, all I am saying is I think this game trade signals like Joe, your job's clearly safe. The front office is clearly safe. Whether we like it or not, Chauncey, your job for this year is safe. Just show some progress and development. Like I think his mo develop develop the young players. Like and if he can't do that, that's when I think they're going to have questions. But I I just I I couldn't fathom a world in where you trade Dame and you're not giving heavy minutes to the two players who have been quote unquote untouchable in trade talks. Yeah, I, I mean, it doesn't matter who fucking starts games, who finishes these games. But I, I from everything that I've seen from Chauncey Billups, I think he respects Ant a lot. I think he's a part of the starting lineup and. If if it's the three guard, if it's the three guys, that's great. I mean, I think one of them is going to have to be out of that rotation relatively quick, so he can be the main guy in the second rotation. But uh, it, it's it's I I don't know how I'm going to project these minutes going for the first month. It's going to be yeah, very it, very it, different. It, it depends who they get back. Like hypothetically, if they get Caleb Martin back in the Miami trade, Caleb Martin starting at that three, and I think Shaden's the two. Um, I think if they get some just contracts back, like maybe it's Ben Simmons and just a, a bunch of contracts that aren't part of the rotation, then I, I could see them trying that three guard rotation for a month or so and giving it the old college try and then realizing, oh, two small guards in the lineup just isn't, it's really hurting us playing that many minutes together. We got to stagger something. I, I think I think Ant would be the odd man out. I, I just I, I get the sense they view Scoot and Shaden very highly um, in the organization and are going to look to move to move forward. Um, I think lastly, before we sign off, Sage, I have a question for you. What would we already heard what you said would be a successful season, but like now that you have a clear direction, which we have been begging for, clear direction that they are rebuilding Rip City. You've you've seen the pieces that are in place. You've got Scoot, Shaden, uh, Ryan, uh, Chris Murray, uh, Jeremy Grant, Anthony Simons, and whatever you get for, from Dame. What is your next step as GM? Like, are you are you waiting for the draft to find that small forward or center of the future? Are you going to just let this year play out? Are you going to be ultra aggressive with your capital and say? This is this small forward is who I want. I'm willing to pay a couple extra picks for it. Or do you want or do you like the idea of having players staggered salaries like from different draft classes so you don't have to pay them all at once? Because I think clearly they they need um a three. I think they need a serviceable defensive-minded five that doesn't need a lot of usage on offense that could probably stretch the floor. But for me, if I'm building this team, like if I'm Joe Cronin, I already have my eyes on like. I want Jalen Williams from OKC. Like I need that small forward um, to come in and just be, be the linchpin of, of this team. Like we're building a future like we had with the early nineties when we just kept adding players and you got that core, you got that core and you're going forward. That's what I would do. I want, kind of want to know what will your like, if you're, you get Dame, but what's, what's your eye on after Dame? I think I would have to be flexible with, I'm not going to overextend myself and get a small forward that I may or may not like. So I would absolutely, I want to see what Scoot and Shaden can do as the main guys. I would be flexible with, oh, if 
Tari Eason wants it is gonna is very tradable. I would absolutely do that if he's got to be very. I mean, Houston's doing some stupid shit right now. I would call it. I'd be like, how do we get Tari? He's not gonna play five right seconds, anymore. four seconds. Give, a, give us Tari Eason. Like that. That would be. That would be. That would be sick. If it was me, I'm swinging for Daniel Gafford using Nasir and uh, Keon as a so find a, your stop because he's a stopgap. I don't think he's a future center, right? It depends on what we're trying to do for the team, man. Because he's, I think he's good. I think that he eats minutes and does everything that we're asking for. And he's getting paid at a relatively good scale of like eleven million dollars for a center. So I would, I would make my swings at uh, Zoo and Daniel Gafford. They're going to eat minutes for me. I'm trying to find a stretch four in the free agency class. Um, if a three comes a stretch up, four, isn't that what Chris Murray is? I want a stretch four that can uh, move up to five to finish games is basically what I'm going for. So, like, I know that he's not available anymore, but Trey Lyles was my number one guy for that position. Like, let's say that he's his he plays a bunch of four minutes, but also finishes the game at five is kind of what I'm looking for. Okay. Um, since Gafford isn't finishing my games, and then I'm I'm staying on the phones. If something that knocks my pants off happens, I will absolutely do it. But if we end the season with, you know, you know, uh, Scoot, Shaden, Ant, Jeremy, Daniel Gafford. I'm fine with that. And then next year, I, you know, be more aggressive. But this year, I, I'm totally fine with just letting Scoot and Shaden run the show. Yeah, I think that's um, good. Like, just be prepared to pounce if something's there, but yeah. don't don't overexert yourself. I would. Because I don't think Jalen people- Williams fits with this team. So, like, I'm like, fuck it. Let's like not if, do that one. If they do keep Nasir, this has to be the year for him. Like he has to come. He has to show that he can stay healthy for an entire season. He's going to get the usage. He's going to get the minutes. Like if he, he's our six man right now, right? Yeah. I mean, I could see a world where depending on what you get back from Dame, he's starting alongside Scoot and Jaden at the three. Like yeah. that, th- this has to be his year. And I think if you're Portland, that's what you're looking for. Keon Johnson, can you be a backup point guard or are, you, or are we gonna let your contract run out? Like there, there are guys who are, I know this year has got like three years left in this deal, but it's very, very team friendly. Like I think there are guys who are now just like, okay, like we're on your, your Zach Collins timeline. Like mm-hmm. we're only going to kick that can down the road for so long. Um, we got to see something. Um, I mean, the fact that he took that awful contract in terms of value for him, like but he knows he, he it, it is was smart because he got hurt again. Yeah. I mean, now that I'm looking at it and looking at this team, if we don't get a center, I think he's gone for a, a center. I think he and Keon are gone for a center. So I would sign George Hill to be the backup point guard. I would make the trade with uh Nasir. Get some adults. Yeah. Get some adults. I would make that trade for Nasir and uh Keon to get that to get Dick Gafford or Zoo. I would sign I would sign uh, Jamichael Green, and if if something happens that like it screams great fit, I would take the chance. But if it if it doesn't, the it's not the worst thing in the world to see Shaden Sharp and Scoot Henderson play basketball and lead the team. So yeah, like, but it all depends on like Damon Nurk. Like, <laughs> but I, yeah, if I'm Cronin, I definitely, you know, uh, we, we kicked the, can, the Nasir can down the road. He 
I he I love seeing his development, but there's only so much. Oh, a fluke injury happened. Oh, a fluke injury happened. Like if I, if he's the reason we can get a guy that can play some real center minutes for us, that's I'm sorry. All right, we will be back probably to discuss the first couple of games at Summer League. We don't know how many games Shaden's going to play. He wants to play them all. We don't know how many games Scoot's going to play. He wants to play them all. He wants to win uh, that back-to-back Summer League championship. Uh, we know Wembenyama will play at least two, uh, and I think we do get that matchup with he and Scoot, which would be sensational to watch. But the first game is, I believe, against the Rockets on Friday, ESPN. Um I don't know. Well, well, we will find out, but super excited for Summer League. Uh, unless if if it's crickets, you'll hear from us from Summer League. If something breaks and there's a trade, uh, we will live and react as well as we can based upon our schedules. Thank you all for listening. Sage, uh, take this one home. We are available on iTunes, Stitcher, um, everywhere that you get your podcast. I know people are on some weird uh, feeders. We're we're available, like and five stars. We're available on YouTube for the full podcast. And then we are on IG and Facebook Reels plus TikTok. So we're out there. We're trying to be more out there. Thank you to everybody who was listening. And thank you to the people that uh, uh, was very aggressive telling me that they need a podcast. So we're here providing that. And uh, thank you so much for listening. We will be back when news happens. I'm excited to see Chris Murray dominate in Summer League. Peace. Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody. Let's go! Let's go.